Hello, and happy whatever day of the week I'm posting this. It turns out we're coming back for the start of the next season of Boku no Stop this Sunday, with our first episode on Cyborg 009 the Cyborg Soldier. But until then, I just wanted to tell you that our patrons have been getting a nice boost of custom content just for them over at patreon.com slash pitchdrop. Or, if you want an easier-to-remember one, tentacle.pro will take you directly to the Patreon. They've been getting bonuses, including an entire different set of Boku no Stop episodes currently covering JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Or, if you happen to like this free crew, I continue to do things with Matt and Chris that give us bonus episodes like all of the rebuild movies for Evangelion. Or, for this season of Ideon, we decided to cover a show from the West that did it much better, actually. Battlestar Galactica's reboot in the 2000s. So, if that's your jam, uh, feel free to just head on over, drop as little as a dollar, although more will get you some other shows, including one that's coming up later this year. And in the meantime, I'm actually dropping this on the main feed to give you a preview of one of those bonus episodes. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, and I hope it's enough to push a couple of you over the edge. Thank you, and I'll see you later this week. listening to Boku no Stop, where it took America to get the sins of Japan right. I'm Flesher Arnett, and with me is... Excuse me? <laughs> what? what does that even mean? They did it on right. Oh. That's the whole joke. Okay. Wow. Look. Oh, yeah, you did explicit... Look, that went over my head, You did too. explicit... Oh, no, but you missed the part where Fletcher explicitly warmed me up for this, like, three minutes ago, that I forgot. <laughs> Also, I'm Chris. Uh, also, my hosts should introduce themselves. I'm Matt. Wait, this is I... Patreon. Why are we introducing ourselves? <laughs> Fuck it. Well, people need you, to know, you know who I'm we Matt. are. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> this is not going to go well. Uh, I've been prepping for 009, so. Yeah, so I, I'm Matt Model 1. He's Matt Model 2. Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> Noon improved. And this time, for your final bonus, we are hitting up the first three episodes of the Battlestar Galactica reboot, which, I gotta say, I see entirely why Chris recommended this, and it's very good. Yeah, they all fucking rule, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, this is one pilot. of the three here where I, I feel a little colder on than the other two, but they're all very solid. Well, why don't you tell me which one yeah. that is, since we're about to discuss it. It's probably the third oh. one. I I I I watched this like a month ago. Is it the ago, prison so one? Like I, I will. Yeah, it's the prison one. Yeah, the prison one is is the weakest one. Of okay, these three. well, buddy, let me tell you later. Sarek becomes the president. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this episode winds up that episode. All of these episodes, except for thirty three, winds up being the unimportant one. The other ones wind up being extremely important. Funny. So. 
Uh, when we last left our cast, they had the remaining ships all tagging along with the Galactica in, I believe they're calling it the Colonial Fleet? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the big problem is that as we start, everyone is in hell, because every 33 minutes to the second... The Cylons constantly arrive at wherever everyone has jumped to. We are now, at the start of this episode, 130 hours and 237 jumps in. Everyone is exhausted. The Galactica specifically, because as the ones in command and the military vessel, they are all on no sleep, limited shifts, and everyone worn to the bone. Yeah, so. it's they they really sell that too. Yeah. Like they do a very good job just say, like I can't imagine being I mean like how, how many days is that? Like it, didn't they say it's like 5 days? Yeah, dude, they're all on drugs. Yeah. The, their only solution later is give them more drugs. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, this is straight up man. some space trucker shit. Yeah, it's it's really dire. You know, this also did just give me an incredibly cursed mental image because uh-huh. one of the things my partners watch is that Ration Guys channel on YouTube. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I haven't heard of There's that. There's a guy who just picks up battle rations and MREs and things from different armies around the world and different wars and literally eats that like the guy will go through fucking hey i've i got a world war one ration it's still intact uh and literally all he stops is uh this thing's hissing so that might be botulism not eating that and everything else he'll put in his mouth and i just had the idea <sighs> someone out there is likely missing the gold mine of appealing to that niche with trying to do fictionalized rations from different militaries in anime and media. I, I feel like that would be something that like Babish would do at some point, right? Because like that's his whole steez is taking things from media and cooking them, but he actually likes to cook food. Yeah, he's actually cooking. He's not like what would be the prepare uh pre-prepped you've crash landed emergency rations on the Galactica. Uh the editing here is extremely good because it's um there's a lot of looking at people who are really exhausted and watching a timer countdown before we get the significance of it yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually um, we cut to the flight deck and uh, Callie is asking Tyrell why the Cylons come every 33 minutes and he just says, I don't, just shut up about it. And uh, then we get to 10 seconds left. Um, a bunch of the Colonial Fleet isn't ready to go and Adama just notes that uh, they're getting slower uh, each time they have to jump. Uh, the timer hits zero. Uh, Cylon base star warp warps in. Uh, they jump up. Uh, they jump away. No, they do not jump away. Sorry. Uh, uh, Gaius talks to Messenger Six about the hard limits of a human body. Uh, they scramble all the fighters because they basically have to hold off the base star until all the uh, civilians jump away. Uh, that happens. They do mm -hmm. uh, hard combat landings, and then they jump away. The clock is reset, and uh, everybody begins uh, preparing for the next jump, and then you get the intro. Uh, thing I noticed this time around with the intro is the uh, intro, actually, all the montage bits actually just function as a hype reel for the episode you're about to watch. Hmm. 
yeah, that that's something like it, it, they gave the editors a lot more work to do because for every episode they just have to cut a new intro. But it's cool. Like, who does that? It's cool as fuck, though. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like it. Yeah, it's it is foreshadowing, I guess. If you have good editors, that is not the hardest task. Yeah, because they already got to edit the rest of the show, my guy. Just say, oh, this would be cool for the intro, and then go through your folder at the end. I was about to say, yeah, if you give them, hey, here's the guidelines, don't spoil the big beats, give us give us an overarching... That's not bad. That works. Uh, I guess, yeah, but like, I, I, I'm used to watching... Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, on this network, we are used to watching shows that like to reuse footage over and over again. Like, so when you see this much effort, I go like, oh man, they didn't have to do that. No, this was very, <laughs> they spent a lot of money on this. I was also going <laughs> to say that the bad version of that is some of the CW shows that basically just give you a trailer up front that spoils the whole episode. Hell yeah, don't even watch it. You can still talk about yeah. it at the water cooler. <laughs> that, that's got to be a podcast thing where it's just like, watch a show like that and then try to recap it based on just the intros. Like, that's got to be a thing. That's an incredibly cursed concept, but yes, probably. <laughs> I mean that's just like a dumber. Oh, there, there are worse that's concepts. just a dumber version of E1. Yeah. Anyhow, you should listen so... to E1. So I don't know what that uh, is. Every, episode I'll one. Look right. it up. Every yeah, every episode of that podcast, the premise is it's the pilot episode of a different podcast. Huh. Sometimes it is a concept that works. I do not listen regularly. Though. Some of them are extremely cursed in a way that I like. <laughs> What was the last one? Like, Youth Voters for Joe Biden? Hell yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Anyhow, so, <laughs> cracking the whip again, we uh, go through the 238th jump. Everyone is going to take two leaps and then meet up at a common point this time to try and see if that shakes them off. And... We lose one of the commercial vessels, Olympic Carrier. So we're now down about 1,500 people. But the attack stopped. So here is the issue. Everyone figures out this is how they were tracking us on some level. Or, you know, maybe the two jumps thing did something. No one believes the two jumps thing did something especially when the vessel shows up three hours later. So mm -hmm. Rosalind and Adama go fucking nuke it. Uh, they think that it's been infiltrated. They cannot trust whatever has come back. You know, maybe it's all infiltrators. Maybe there's just more of them on there, but we cannot trust whatever the staff and crew of Olympic Carrier are anymore. So... Yeah, the thing is, like, I... This becomes a real focal point for like for the next few episodes. Right? Oh yeah, my, like my man got severe PTSD from blowing up a civilian cruiser. Yeah, like the the thing that gets me about this is that something that happens later, like the way the way the you know the ship behaves when it comes back, to, should pretty much erase all doubt, right? Because it'd be one thing. You know, I guess I'm jumping ahead. We'll we'll talk. About no, go it for we it. Get there. All right. So, like, the thing is that, you know, when they decide to blow it up, uh, they they come back. The ship starts heading towards them. It doesn't, like, listen to any of their calls being like, hey, hold back. Uh, we're we're we can't you know, we got to, like, check what's going on. And then they find out there are nukes on the ship. 
And then people go, but I still don't want to kill them. And it's like, look, either they're going to die either way because either the nukes explode and everyone dies or you blow up the ship and then the people on the ship die. I feel like the because they added the extra level of they turned it into a giant bomb and also they're set. No, they're not responding. They're not like acting like a normal well, ship. There's also they kind of gave it away. There's also some dramatic irony where uh, as it warps in, if you're looking closely, you could see a bunch of small red lights and white flashes in the carrier window. Like, like the robo Cylons actually just in there purging all of the civilians anyway. Oh, I didn't I didn't catch that detail. But yeah, you would, like I, you I, I would feel have like to know to look for it. You would already have to know the premise of the episode to catch it. Sure. Yeah. You know, what? I, I, I want to go double check that because I'm curious to see how like how visible that is. Uh, but like it, it seems like the Cylons, if they had played it more, you know, more level, you know, had actually somebody at least imitate the pilot. Well, they probably could have actually succeeded in this or at the very least it, it would. I feel like the way they presented this sucked some of the moral tension out of it because it was very obvious that you have to blow it up. But I think this still works because the moral tension is even if a Cylon is piloting the ship, you don't know if the people on it are fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you kind of have to write them off as lost no matter what, because that's just kind of what happens. Sure, But then you personally killed them because the Cylons Cylons are killing them, which is the distinction. Yeah, I guess that's fair. And this is, uh, again, this is the first episode. This is technically the pilot of the television series. This is a very good start. We hit on the Cylons are not humans. These They will be incredibly callous in ways that we find horrifying. But mm-hmm. there's also actual consequences to this. We knock down the number of the fleet significantly. We will let that drop. We have PTSD and effects on the humans and the beginning of like a season long gaslighting of Apollo in a way that is extremely Uh uncomfortable. Not Apollo. I meant Helio. Is this a hologram? Is this an actual transmission? What are we talking about? uh, The six that's dealing with Baltar. Uh, that 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 is an actual that is an angel in the mythology of the show. Okay, actual, I'm just actual I'm not going to dig into that yet. Actual messenger of a real god. All right, uh, but like, how does that? Don't worry about it. I mean, like, how does that actually man? Like, is it just you just wave your hands? And it's god magic, or you is have it, to wave your like, hands? When, god magic. when he's no, saying, "Don't worry about it," I'm just going to take it that either it comes up later or they just wave it. They it never comes up. All right, that's cool head six or whatever the angel straight up tells baltar oh god's looking out for you buddy boy (laughs) and basically says someone aboard that ship knew you were involved in the whole fleet being yeah because there's that whole thing Uh where there's the uh, doctor there who has information who worked for the defense ministry that gaius did contracting on and just says i have information about how our defense systems were sabotaged and there's a traitor in our midst uh, yeah, and we have, and he has to go directly to the president and nobody else. Like he can't relay the message of, oh, hey, it's this guy. And then there's that entire yep. scene where she, or Gaius, a smart mouse that some god exists, <laughs> and then she basically makes him repent before, uh, <laughs> like, the, like the, at the moment where he's like... about to take the shot. Right, like it, it is implied oh, yeah. that 
uh, Gaius does in fact have like a real internal change and that God is real and he makes Apollo decide to take the shot. Yeah, the the way they... it <laughs> Like one of the things that bugged me about part two of the miniseries was that the fact that uh, Baltar, you know, fingered the Cylon, a Cylon, excuse me, uh, correctly just seemed really convenient. And this seems extra convenient where like the one ship that happened to be infiltrated was the one ship that had, you know, the guy that Baltar would, you know, would expose him. And, you know, so I'm willing to like let that go. But like, I keep seeing this happen with this particular character. It's because he's Paul. Like Paul, like biblically speaking, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, he he winds up becoming a major prophet of a new religion. Uh huh. Yeah, it's just it's really it, it it's good at creating a lot of tension. Like they create a ton of tension with that character in a way that like I have to. I, I'm someone who doesn't handle awkward or uncomfortable situations very well in media. Have like I will pause something and leave the room. <laughs> have you? Like I had to stop these episodes. What? <laughs> I can't watch it. I, I can't watch it at all. Like, I, I just get to like a scene where something's going to go really bad. And I go like, I can't watch this anymore. Like, I had to, like, force myself to watch a lot of the scenes with him because it's it's so uncomfortable. Like, the, the dramatic irony of it is so intense. That's the thing. And especially that some of what you just commented on is going to come up in episode two. They're aware of these things and they're going for it. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said this before, Ronald D. Moore was running, like, the last big thing he did prior to this was Deep Space Nine, which also really hit upon themes of space gods and religion as a weapon, and I'm real curious to see where we go with this, because this is not Israel-Palestine like DS9 was. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow, yeah. so the death of the Olympic carrier seems to be it. The Cylons do not continue hunting them. And so we we take numbers again. And hey, for once, we get to raise the count. Because there's actually been a baby born on the Rising Star. Uh, also in this episode, it won't necessarily matter for the, this, um, the amount of Battlestar Galactica we're talking about, but, uh... There's like this elaborate setup where they sacrifice a Model 6 Cylon to uh, set up this elaborate fantasy for Hilo on a Caprica that he's being rescued. And uh, it gets real uncomfortable later. Yeah, I have just like a little note about these at the end of each of my summaries. And yeah, uh, he gets saved, you know, saved from a number six by... A person who is totally boomer. Yeah. But which mm-hmm. we already know is a Cylon. Yeah, like when you see her, the camera immediately cuts like to her on the battle stars so you know what's up. Uh-huh. And yeah, we get and more the, of that. The weird this thing though is that the well, it's also like the Messenger Six like does the same thing she did with the uh the Enclave. Yeah. I, I feel like Messenger Six just likes to smooch humans. Like, this is the, the third human. This model smooches on the show so far. Isn't that weird? Is that a weird thing? There's a lot of smooching. Just me. Yeah, this 
I'm aware this show is going to be horny at times. Remember, yeah, how did we get introduced to Baltar and Six in the miniseries? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, spine exactly. Thing is so dumb. I'm just saying <laughs> the spying. I can't. The glowy spying. I cannot get over the glowy spying because I'd never thought about it before. I'm like, have, have they just never turned the lights off? No, he just never hit it from the back. Do they never come back to that? Uh, no, I don't think they so. never address okay, the glowy spine. Then it's probably just a thing that they did once for effect and then realized, wow, this is dumb. Uh, there's an interesting. <laughs> so when this was coming out, there was a uh, interesting theory that was like pretty possible until the show just basically denied it uh which mm. was that if you kept track of uh like the uh romantic relationships that it was possible that being a cylon was an std actually wow oh that's weird it is weird and uh just the way everything went down made it extremely possible until uh all along the watchtower happens later <laughs> which is all right the best way to have that bubble popped uh, yeah, because you also have Boomer, right? And Boomer's hooking up with uh, what, Tyrell. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. And like, you figured if if the spine thing was a thing, he might have seen that. You know, like there, there's a lot of. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a lot of stuff like that. But that does take us so... into episode two. Uh... Water. Water. What, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. So this is the part where I want to I want to just talk about this. Ronald D. Moore was writing partners with Brandon Braga, who is a guy who basically became the head of Star Trek until it went off after Enterprise. Um, somewhere in the first season of Voyager, those two had a falling out. He's never said what it is on the record. He says it's, you know, between he, Brandon, and God. And... So as a result, he did not write for that show. I'm very convinced some of this early stuff is ideas he had for Voyager, because while it didn't live up to it, let me just run the initial premise of Voyager as the first season gives it to you, and you'll see what I might mean. Go for it. Uh, a Star Trek, a Starfleet ship is chasing down basically the Space Confederacy, uh, at a rebellion. They are trying to take out the ship. It gets into a pitched fight, and they are thrown through a wormhole, which, if you know your science, are basically spatial anomalies that are temporary and rips in the fabric of the universe. It's like folding it a deposits- tortilla. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they, they're so not stable, delicious. so going through one is basically a you one-way bet. trip, and... This anomaly throws them outside of all known space into the Delta Quadrant. Light years from home, even warp drives, this is going to be like decades to a hundred years of travel. Both ships are fucked up. So they collapse the crew of both of them onto the Voyager, which is the more intact. And we have rebels and... Starfleet officers and people who were at each other's throats with space shotguns 20 minutes ago now having to work to survive with no resources in unknown territory. In theory, that's very much like some of the tension we're going to get in this episode and the next one. In practice, 
none of that ever happened on Voyager because they basically threw that out immediately. And I'm convinced one or two of these things is something that Moore would have used on that show if they allowed him to write for it. Hmm. Anyway, because yeah, like that that has a little bit more. I mean, I guess that this has uh, like it's a different setup to to this with the Cylons, but yeah, it's got it's got a similar premise and that could have a lot of teeth. But uh, it's a shame that they drop it. Yeah. Being in space forever is a rich premise that a lot of things set up and then like let g- just drop the ball on so hard. Well, on this mm. one, I think this would have been a thing about the supplies. On the next one, I very much think the can we trust these people? Do we let these convicts have any kind of power or rights when it's all about survival? Very much would have been the McKee versus the Starfleet crew. Okay, liberal. I'm just saying. <laughs> I very much think these this first chunk is Battlestar recycled so Voyager That is one of the only times you will ever get to say that about me. Savor it in your mouth like a fine wine, you fuck. Okay. 